Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. This is K-16 Mulholland. I am Jeremy, your Keeper of Arcane Lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a role-playing game filled with cosmic horror, existential dread, and milk jugs filled with milk. Just milk. Definitely not anything else. If you don't believe me, have a sip. Milk, right? Your investigators of the unknown are... Brian as Ben McKnight. I have milk as well, but it's 30% pus. <sighs> Lupine as Rosa Garcia. <laughs> Matt as Diego Kennedy. Hey, I got nipples, Ben. Can you milk me? Welcome, players. How's everybody doing tonight? Great. On this beautiful Wednesday evening that we're stuck in that weird Omega weather pattern thing, which is cool. I'm ready to die. Well, it was a good one. Good while it lasted. Guys, I don't know about you, but I have been like in a really good movie watching stretch. Well, last week I was able to see three movies in a day. It got me thinking a little bit about movies that sort of pushed the boundary. Uh, years ago, I started watching a German horror film called Necromantic and had to turn it off after 15 minutes because it incorporated actual footage of a rabbit being killed. So have you ever had to bail from a movie? And what was the trigger? Yes, it was a racer head. And it was the scene when the little bird creature thing was coming and moving around. Just the movement alone, I had to stop. I came back to it and watched the whole thing and appreciated it when I was a little older, but that was just freaking creepy. I had never seen a black and white film that you could see the gore and blood, even though it wasn't there. When I was a kid, I went to see, what was the James Bond one where Pierce Brosnan is in North Korea? I have vasovagal syncope so like things made me pass out it was started to torture pierce brosnan and i couldn't deal with i had to like actually leave the theater and i was like oh i'm gonna pass out and my mom's like okay we're leaving i've never actually left a movie i've gotten close a couple of times the closest i ever came was cats because it was cats listeners if you would like to drop us a letter from beyond please visit lovecrafttapes.com anytime and fill out our contact form share with us all your own triggers and why you may have walked out of a movie. We do accept well-considered criticism, flaunting praise, and even 8 by 10 glossies of Bigfoot, but only if they're signed by Bigfoot. That's how I know they're real. And no feet. Unless they're big feet. Well, I mean, we need content for our only feats, so. I like shoulders. Big shoulders. Onlysholders.com. Must be shoulder season. Hmm. No heads, no torsos, just shoulders. From our old friend, Surat and Wizard of Isenglass. Uh, basically saying, K-16 tape 4 was hilarious. Poison ivy, roll for calamine. Sorry, I have no ivy solutions or fluids but my own. So thank you, certain Wizard of Zinglass. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you are enjoying this particular case. At least someone is. Uh, this show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on patreon.com slash lovecrafttape. So thanks to all you folks. We'll give you a shout out next week. Before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now... A word from our sponsor. (laughs) 
As my daddy used to say, the world is full of clocks, Bob. Hi, I'm Bob G. Wells, and today I'm here to tell you about my latest invention, the Smarter Watch. Now, my daddy's adage was true. The world is full of clocks. So why bother wearing a watch when you can glance up anywhere to check the time? But what if you want to check more than just the time? That's where a smarter watch comes in. We take the decision-making process out of the picture by offering just one color, one size fits all, one style, no strap needed. Simply apply the back of smarter watch to your wrists and the synthetic strands will automatically pair with your DNA, embedding tendrils beneath your skin and puncturing your veins. No battery required because Smarter Watch is powered by the nutrients in your bloodstream. Eating an apple a day is enough to keep it running in perpetuity. That's just science. Now, once you've successfully linked with Smarter Watch, it can collect and report any kind of data you wish. Want to know how many steps you've taken today? Smarter Watch can tell you. Need to count your calories at every meal? Smarter Watch keeps track automatically. Wondering how many days you have left on this earth? Smarter Watch knows all. In the unlikely event Smarter Watch is unable to mate with your body type, or if Smarter Watch attempts to burrow deeper into your flesh, simply call our hotline for assistance. Operators are standing by 24-7 to dispatch local law enforcement properly equipped with amputation and cauterizing tools necessary to remove Smarter Watch and sufficient firepower to stop it in its tracks should the programmed AI decide to eliminate the human race once and for all. Don't worry. I have a personal spacecraft at the ready with enough fuel to keep me and my family, plus any hired help, alive in the upper stratosphere for years or until the last Smarter Watch runs out of juice. If you order now, we'll throw in a pair of Smarter Pants. They only come in brown, but trust me, that's the only color you'll need. And we're back. If that product and or service suddenly transformed into a cryptid, what would it be called? Either or. To or or not to or. I don't know what they'd call it, but we definitely have to have Justin make a t-shirt out of it. I would name it the lesser known second cousin to Nessie. Orin, the Loch Ness Bluegill. And it's a little tiny bluegill. It is time, my friends, to play K-16, tape 10. That thing you impendulu. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. Blood, as they say, is much thicker than water. And when it comes time to decide who or what to believe when very little makes sense anymore... 
relying on family seems the only sensible thing to do. Harcourt and Lindsay convince our investigators to escape from the leech zombies, at least for a little while, to the raft in the middle of the lake. However, Diego's promise to eliminate father-mother convinces Rosa and Ben it might be the only way to save the rest of the camp kids. Despite heartfelt protests and confused tears, the three leave their new friends in order to keep their rendezvous once nightfall arrives. But something awaits them in the twilight forest behind the bunkhouse, and it is not happy to have its secrets shared with others. Family or not. Ben. When you hear the sound of Brigitte's voice behind you, followed by Diego's epithet, you whirl around with your oar at the ready. It takes a moment for your eyes to adjust to the gloom, but when they do, you immediately wish they hadn't. At first, you think you see the red-headed girl floating in midair, about 15 feet off the ground. Once your pupils open wide, you can clearly make out the undulating sack of a great worm beneath her. It's open maw, dripping a gelatinous goo in thick rivulets onto the earth, only a few yards from where Diego stands. A strange admixture of panic and awe erupts from somewhere behind your eye sockets as you drink in this awful sight. Please roll sanity. I need a 39. I rolled a 33. I sucked my cest. One point of sanity damage. And what does that do for you? I'm at 38. Rosa, in your haste to avoid Diego's outburst with the arrow in his hand, you dodge backward, falling over a dead tree limb, sprawling onto the ground. Breathing heavily and gripping your oar for protection, you strain to see in the shadows what your cousin reacted to. And there it is. Just as Diego described it in your journal, a magnificent leech god of massive proportions. Atop its bulk sits Brigitte, only, as she turns to look at you, her features shift to become that of Nikki, watching you coldly, like a mountain lion might peer down at a baby rabbit caught in a trap. From that icy stare, you sense 
an immense loneliness brought on by the relentless march of time, countless years of solitude. More than the spectacle before you, it is that crushing emotional projection from the shapeshifter's eyes that seems to solicit an equal measure of debilitating depression between your ribs. Please roll sanity, but you may add a bonus die because you read his journal. I rolled a 73 under an 80. You still could roll the d10 and get a better success, though. Oh, I do. That's a 23 under an 80, which is a hard success. You do not take any sanity. Nice. Can I have one? Can I have more than one? Because I got none left right now. And because you rolled so well, you managed to slowly get to your feet. I'm not supine. I'm lupine. Diego, you stare at Father Mother, the holiest of elder worms, the drinker of life, Camp Mulholland's very own lurker by the lakeside. And it is this last thought that tolls in your mind like a divine message. That oily slick seen floating on the surface of the lake, it had undoubtedly been the back of this beast as it bobbed, undetected, just below the waterline. For what reason, though? Hoping to cherry-pick a swimmer or two? Or had it been feeding on only fish all this time? There came that sound again, an almost perceptible high-pitched tone in the back of your brain. The ring of truth. You look down at your bow and arrow to realize with horror, that you will be unable to spill any blood. The mere thought of crimson pools nearly makes you pass out. Seeing your helplessness, Brigitte glowers down at you with fury. I suspect you're no longer interested in being my special friend, Diego, she says, a profound hurt and sadness coloring her words. Why else would you have shared our secret with these two? Who else have you told? Hot tears spill down her cheeks, but she refuses to wipe them away. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, technically, you said I couldn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I wrote it down, and someone happened to read it. And you expect me to trust you? They know. Well, I mean, that and the leeched zombies that were your fault, they, they kind of saw those. I couldn't exactly hide that. I mean, the leech zombies were you, right? I, I kind of assumed, but I guess I should have asked earlier. The what? The leeches that were attacking people, and then they were going in and they were spitting out more leeches? Those those weren't you? No. What what were you talking about? Yeah, come, 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 come here. Get get down off there, and I'll, I'm going to show you. Come here. And I'm going to start walking over towards where we saw the group of those leech-possessed kids. She warily watches Ben and Rosa with the oars in their hands. 
and then slides off the back of the giant worm. And keeping an eye on everyone else, she accompanies you, Diego. I'm going to look over and put one finger over my lips to tell her to be quiet, and we're going to sneak back the way we came, just enough to where we can see those kids and those uh, the leeches kind of ambling around the, you said it was like the fire pit area? One of the pyres, yep. And I'm going to arm over and kind of turn her towards them and just point. Ben and Rosa, what are you doing while Diego is leading Brigitte away? Just pick small talk. They, they'll be fine. <laughs> they don't understand English. Having witnessed what I'm seeing right now and not believing any of it, I'm kind of frozen in place with my head just swiveling from creature to Diego. Where is he going? Why is he leaving us? All right. We'll say that is your involuntary reaction. You're rooted to the spot. I am shocked by the realization that these two things could be unconnected. My gaze is is going back and forth between father, mother, and Brigitte Nikki, but I'm really curious to hear what Brigitte Nikki says to Diego. They are walking out of earshot. I'm watching father, mother. Do they make any move? The creature does undulate in your direction as if it is detecting that you're moving. I am going to very quickly bring my foot back. I didn't make a full step. I just like sort of moved my foot out. Musical chairs. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit like uh, the hokey pokey. Put your right foot in, put your right foot out. You lose your right foot to the giant monster and you can't really shake it all about because it's not there anymore. I can't hear what Diego and Nikki Brigitte are saying. And I think it's too dark for me to try to read lips. I could try that. Because Diego is taking Brigitte back to that pyre that you had passed earlier, um, you're, you're going to be easily 40 yards away. So in the dark and everything, you probably won't be able to. But it doesn't seem like father mother is going to let me move towards them. So I'm just going to stay where I am because I don't think I can do anything against this. It just looks so huge. It is. It's a massive, massive worm. Yes. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I feel like hitting it with the oars. So I'm I'm kind of like rooted to the spot. Yeah. So we'll we'll leave you guys there for a moment then. And then we'll pick up with Diego and Brigitte who are stealthily moving towards the edge of the forest where they can get a better look. Bricky, Najit. Ship name just dropped. Hey, Bricky, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Bricky. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Bricky. Diego gets to the edge of the woods and kneels down and motions for Brigitte to follow suit. And she does. Diego, you're once again struck by how complete the shape shift form is. Uh, You can detect no difference between a normal human and this thing. She's even wiping the tears away from her cheeks now, and she's looking intently toward the where you're pointing at the pyre. I don't see anything. What? Wait, those aren't normal kids? No. So what you're going to do, you're going to look on the ground in front of them. You're going to see what looks kind of like a, a, a slug. I think they're called leeches, but you think they are. See, the kids can't really see anymore. Those leeches are how they sense what's around them. If you make a loud noise, they'll find you. How did this happen? I thought this was something that was you, but uh, apparently I was wrong and I apologize. It started with, um, oh, what's his name? Big Kid Bully. Oh, Peter. Yeah, yeah, it started with him. He became one of these things? Yeah, yeah, he was in the, the first aid hut and we went in to check on him and it seemed like he was, you know, 
not with us anymore. And then we left, and there was a loud crash, and he came stumbling out of the cabin, and there were these leeches just out of his mouth. It was disgusting. No. Oh, I'm so sorry, Diego. This is my fault. And you can see fresh tears coming out of her eyes. Father Mother told me that something like this might happen. I never realized that this would be the result. I just got so angry. Peter made fun of me, and I just wanted revenge. Hey, I get that. Really, I do. I grew up moving from place to place, never settling in one town more than six months, okay? Being the new kid everywhere, easy target, right? Everyone's always, you know, oh, they have no friends, oh, they don't know what anything is. I spent more than a few afternoons in toilets, let's put it that way. Thing is, all bullies are the exact same, okay? The only thing they want out of you is a reaction, They want you to be angry. They want you to yell. They want you to scream. All you got to do is just ignore it. You take away that fun element from them and leave you alone. That and sometimes punching them helps, but, you know. I was just overcome with emotion. I'm just not used to what this girl felt. Teenage girls? Yeah. No, you are in for a world of hurt. There are these things called hormones. Okay. Let's talk about puberty. (laughs) I feel so terrible. These these poor kids. You said that the leeches, they act as a sort of sensory organ. That's as far as we can tell. We have thus far attempted to avoid direct contact with them, but from what we've been able to gather, that's more or less what seems like it's going on. Look, I think I need to make this right. Wait, there's one other thing. Um, Harcourt, you remember him, right? Yeah, cute kid, kind of annoying. Oh, yeah. He said he saw one of the the leech-infested kids wander into the the lake, and apparently the fish all, like, swarmed in and just, like, devoured them or something. That makes sense, because fish are a natural enemy. Uh, Very few things can kill a leech. Oh, I know. Trust me. But normal predators would do the trick, so fish would eat the leeches. So all we really need to do is find some sort of way to herd all these kids into the lake and let the fish do the rest. Is there anything in the lake that we can use to attract their attention? Like I said, so far it seems like they either react to sound or scent. And we could try to make noise, but I think we'd need more people. I mean, we got us. We got two out on the, the raft in the middle of the lake. How many people would we need? Oh, man. It's a really bad time for me to be without my illegal fireworks collection. You know, I've been here for many seasons, and I know that Lem and Tammy, they like to, the very last day, have a big fireworks display. It's not anything crazy. They have some sparklers and a couple bottle rockets. Snakes. I mean, depending on how big those bottle rockets are, that might do it. Those things can be pretty noisy. Do you have anybody who's really stealthy? (laughs) (laughs) Not me. I got I a 60 in stealth. I have a 60 as well. What does Brigitte have? <laughs> what does Bricky have in stealth? Diego, what if I went out with you Aww. and we rode Father Mother across the lake to the raft and you convinced Harcourt and Lindsay to join us and then Ben could get the 
fireworks from the counselor cabin and meet us out there. Would that work? Or is there another plan? I'm not very good at this. I'm just a simple caveman lawyer. I'm a bird person lawyer, so, you know, I get where you're coming from. Well, I, well, I, well, I see. Sounds like as good of a plan as we got. We can go back and talk. Rosa's usually a little better at the whole planning thing than I am. Then maybe we should talk to her about it. Okay. Um, again, Diego, I'm so sorry. I just wanted to be rid of this place. I get it. Trust me. I've been itching to run away from my parents for a long time, especially now that they're getting divorced. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Why didn't you say anything earlier? Eh, Talk about things that are your fault, huh? I think I understand now that I can't be allowed to exist in the outer world, in your world. I think I need to stay here with father, mother. Wow, you... Sure about that? I mean, you seem pretty committed. Well, you want your family to stay together, don't you? Yeah, I wish. Well, I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I think we need to clear up this mess and work together. Are you with me? I'm with you. We got to make sure this leech problem doesn't leave this camp. Okay, let's go. And she stands up to head back to Ben and Rosa. So, Ben and Rosa, you are standing transfixed by the sight of Father Mother. The more that you spend time in their general aura, you find yourself becoming calmer. You're not sure why, but at a certain point, it's almost as if the initial shock of seeing something so unnatural, but then watching it as it squirms in place and the maw opens up and tentacles writhe out and reach out and grab a tuft of grass, shovel it back into its maw, and chew. A frog leaps by. A tentacle shoots out, grabs the frog, and drains the frog. It becomes completely flat. It discards the carcass. It deflates the frog. Drinks all of the blood from it. It's almost as if this is just another animal. It's almost as if you're watching something on your farm, Rosa, go about its business, not caring for much else going on around it. Simple sustenance. I'm going to reach into my pocket, and I'm going to pull out the German mark coin, and I'm going to flick it as far as my thumb can push it into the woods away from us and watch for the reaction of Mother Father. It senses the sound of the tink. As it leaves your thumb, and then it goes back to what it was doing. Huh, Rosa? Did you like it? It's lost the one coin I had. Let me delete that from my inventory. Do you have a dollar? Doesn't look like it wants to attack us, which is weird to me. This is the thing that's been hurting kids, right? I think so. Unless it's Brickle. Butter Brickle? What? Mmm, <laughs> Bricky. I mean, there was something in the journal about the Nikki Brigitte thing wanting to, like, kill this big thing. Right. But it doesn't look threatening, does it, to you? No, it it kind of doesn't. It looks like it's grazing or whatever. This thing looks like a cow. Big, fat, sloggy cow. Well, so we wait for Diego to come back. And both Ben and Rosa, as you're speaking, you feel that energy that you've always felt with one another. The thing that you call the reach. Just this flow of energy between the two of you. But as you're speaking, you sense 
a very similar flow emanating from the worm. And it's almost as if it enters and commingles with your reach. It's almost a slight magnetic feeling. Like a pull almost to communicate. Do I feel anything from Bricky? You don't feel anything from them because they're still a little ways away, but you're definitely uh, getting it from the worm. I'm going to look back at Mother Father, and I'm going to concentrate and try to communicate through the reach. All right. Go ahead and roll reach. I need a 40, roll a 38. That's a success. So Rosa witnesses Ben close his eyes, and you feel him projecting his energy at the worm. The pulse that is coming from the beast reaches out in answer, and then it envelops Ben like a ghostly mist. And Ben, you experience a vision. A vision where the world is sludge and slime. You feel content to wallow in the muck feeding off life in the bog and on the water's edge. But one day, a fire comes from the sky. A molten chunk of rock that plunges to the middle of the lake, upsetting the ecosystem and infecting the food supply. Slowly, your bulk increases until you are nearly five feet long. With this growth comes a budding consciousness, a sense of self where there before had been none, a sense of belonging in the universe. Then came a tribe of men dressed in animal furs and bird feathers, clearing trees and brush to build an encampment at the edge of the woods where you live. A tense encounter with a lone hunter results in you being able to absorb a human memories and all and then emulate them over centuries you exist in this manner never taking more from the surrounding people than would be prudent always living out their lives just enough to waylay suspicion but at some point you crave the company of one of your own kind. And you managed to produce an offspring that lived. And the only name that you could call it that makes sense to you, Ben, it's an unknown guttural language. But your brain translates it as 
brother-sister. This young worm grew quickly with a consciousness perhaps wrought by your own long years of absorption in the land of mankind. The hermaphroditic process, however, took its toll. Even as brother-sister matured, you could no longer shapeshift, and instead grew fat and large on the blood of creatures near to hand, with the occasional treasure shared by brother-sister's ever more risky forays into the modern world. And then suddenly you're back in your own body, seeing the giant worm before you, sensing that it is also looking at you. You gain five mythos points. Rosa, you witness Ben snapping out of this trance at the selfsame moment that you also see Diego and Brigitte walking back toward you. And Diego, halfway there, Brigitte tries to hold your hand. You can see she's staring at the ground, the tears welling up again, and she's shaking slightly. I'm going to grab her hand back. And the two of you walk up to Ben and Rosa, who no longer look afraid. They look perhaps perplexed and curious. You two look perplexed and curious. What's going on? Okay. So I think we might have a plan here. Uh, Rosa, I'm going to run this by you because you're better at this than I am. Okay. Brigitte here wants to help us solve this leech problem, okay? I'm gonna lean in really close. Do we trust it? I'm look at her and nod once. Why? Because we don't have any other options. Do you want these leeches to escape this camp and slowly consume the earth, forcing us to forever be on the run in a bleak and desolate world where you can't really ever trust anyone, where everybody might be your enemy? Well, I know you can't trust anyone. Have you been to the desert on a horse with no name? It felt good to get out of the rain. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> so wait, what are we doing? I say louder. Clearly indicating that everybody is supposed to be part of this conversation. So we know that the leech kid things, they react to loud sounds, right? Yeah, any stimulation around them. So we're thinking that we can create enough of a ruckus in the right direction. We can draw all the leeches into the lake, at which point the fish will do their thing and it won't be a problem anymore. Okay. So here's the current plan. And I lean in again. I'm over here, other side of your mouth. What do we do about them, then? Bricky? Bricky. You right? <laughs> <laughs> One step at a time, okay? Let's get rid of the leeches first so that the world isn't at an imminent threat of being destroyed. We have to prioritize. Where did the leeches come from? Brigitte looks at Diego. You know something. What do you know? <sighs> Guys, I'm I'm so sorry. It's my fault. I must have passed something on to Peter. Like what? I didn't mean to. I just wanted to get back at him. You didn't mean to kiss him in the woods? Just took a little bit of his blood, just enough to... So you meant to do that part, but you didn't mean to do the leeches? I don't know anything about the leeches other than what Diego's told me. They came from you. 
I think it's just a reaction. I must have infected him somehow. So he wasn't dead when you left him? Not technically, no. You knew you were going to kill him, though. I wanted him dead. Oh, trust me, we all wanted him dead. I'm not proud of that. Okay, but what's to say that you wouldn't do this to someone else? I didn't realize this would happen, Rosa. I'm I'm sorry. And suddenly she changes to Nikki. Don't do that. It's creepy. <sighs> That's just who I am, man. Don't call me man. Man. Everybody's judging me. You kill one person and, jeez. Well, three. You killed Nikki and Brigitte. What did they do to you? Nothing, really. They just, I needed a new cover for the season. And yeah. Guys, I'm, I'm just really sorry, you know? I'm trying to make it right. So what do you do after I get rid of these leeches? I'm going to stay here. Father, mother, and I will return to the bog. It's the only way I can make sure that this disease doesn't spread any further. What's the plan besides the fireworks? What do we do? Well, that's the biggest thing, Ben, is um, apparently Lemon Tammy might have uh, some bottle rockets in the uh, counselor's cabin that we're going to need. But those things are by the cabin. Yeah, 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 sneaky. You're sneaky enough for three of us, so I figured, you know... Somebody's got to lure them away. We need a distraction, then how get in there? That's what Diego and I were talking about. I'm Brigitte now, by the way. <laughs> we, we thought Diego and I would go out with Father and Mother to the middle of the lake, and with Harcourt and Lindsay's help, we could make enough noise to divert their attention to give you a bonus die. I mean, help you out <laughs> with your stealth to get the fireworks, and then that should draw them in. Into the water. The idea is, is we bring them to the lake and the fish do the rest. Yeah, okay, so you draw them away from the cabin so Ben can get in? So here's the plan, all right? Brigitte and I are going to, um, and I'm going to, like, look over to where Father Mother is. Uh, what's, uh, I borrow, uh, get some assistance from your Father Mother here out to the middle of the lake. Oh, boy. And, um... We're going to start making some noise. Uh, Rosa, you're going to head over to the canoe and wait for Ben. Ben, you're going to go to the counselor's cabin and snag all the uh, bottle rockets and anything else you think that's in there that could make a decent amount of noise and make your way back to the canoe. At that point, you two will row out to the raft with Brigitte and Father Mother and me and Harcourt and Lindsay at which point we will launch the rockets over the lake, which should hopefully make even more noise, enough to tempt all the leeches into the lake, where upon entry the fishes will dine. You're luring them away, and then we're supposed to run past them to further lure them away? So what I'll do is I'll drop off Diego at the raft, and then Father, Mother, and I will go back to the docks and provide the necessary distraction so that Ben can get into the cabin. I like it. Okay, that'll work. Should give me a little bit of time to um, prepare Harcourt and Lindsay. Yeah, as long as you have to do the explaining, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm not the best at that, but we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. What could possibly go wrong? All right, everybody, hands in the middle. Tentacles in the middle. Oh, I thought you said testicles, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> testicles in the middle. Ow! <laughs> and uh, Brigitte walks up to Father Mother and somehow ascends to the top of it, puts her hand down for Diego to join her. Oh boy, the things I do. I'm going to grab her hand and I'm going to like close my eyes and see what happens, I guess. There's an escalator up the side. 
When do we get to the ride? This is the ride. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Don't make me turn this slug around. Diego, as you pick your place behind Brigitte on top of Father Mother, uh, you feel the warmth of the worm beneath you. And you're once again struck by how awesome this creature is, that it has lived centuries, mostly undisturbed, only taking what it needs to. You do revere this thing as not just a disgusting creature, but almost a god. Hold on to Brigitte as she leans off the front like it's the Titanic. I'm king of the world. And Brigitte rubs where you would suspect the nape of the neck of this thing would be. And it begins to move slowly back through the pathway that it had created back around to the far end of the lake where it can slip in undisturbed, leaving Ben and Rosa behind. Well, I say we get to the road and get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go get the canoe ready and you have to go sneak in and get the fireworks. Okay, wish me luck. I give Rosa a hug, squeeze a little tight. And then turn on my heels and I'm sneaking away, <laughs> do, 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 whistling as I go. Act natural. So, uh, Rosa, you track back through the forest and it's, it's much easier for some reason to pick your way through the moonlight strewn undergrowth. It's almost as if you've been imbued with some sort of unnatural or supernatural dark vision and you are highly attuned. You can only think that maybe it's the reach that is speaking through you. That energy has heightened your senses. You're able to much more stealthily move through the trees, make your way back to the canoe. Once you reach the canoe, you can see a form is moving across the surface with Diego and Brigitte on the back. Diego's going for a ride. Greatest eight seconds of my life. And they're about halfway across the lake. Ben, you make your way around to the back of the counselor cabin, cursing because you had half expected that there might be some sort of back door, but you do recall from your interrogation that there was no other way into the counselor cabin except for the front door. And you can see in the moonlight some shadows moving here and there. You have a rough time picking out how close they might be to the counselor cabin. So tell me how you're going about stealthily getting into it. As I'm squatting behind the cabin, eyes darting to the ground to make sure there's no leeches wandering, I'm going to back into the shadow, look close to me to see if I can find a mid-sized stick that I can use as a distraction. As soon as the sound starts coming, I'm going to throw the stick up and over towards the sound, which will help bolster my sneak just enough to be able to slip around. You see what looks like the broken haft of an old axe. Ooh, perfect. You know, you could probably whip this quite a ways away, and it's going to make quite a loud sound. And as a matter of fact, you remember that there is a sign at the top of the hill down to the docks, and it is made of old tin. If you could somehow hit that, it would make even more noise. So now you're just simply waiting for the signal. Diego, you and Brigitte are approaching 
the raft. And as you get within just a few yards, you hear Harcourt say, uh, 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 dude, what was that thing? You found Brigitte. Yeah, just don't don't worry about it. The more you think about it, the harder it's going to be. That's what she said. But, 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 but what's that thing on uh, you're riding on? It's the shark? Yes, let's go with that. Br- Brigitte, what's happening? Uh, Harcourt, it's, we, we have a plan. We, we're going to help you out. Tell him, Diego. Carefully step off onto the raft. Uh, that does look like a shark. Focus right here, Harcourt. I'm going to grab him. Yeah, yeah. We're going to use your intel to save the day. How's that sound, huh, buddy? My mind? Yeah. Uh, uh, how? So, right at this very moment, Ben is sneaking into the council cabin to steal the bottle rockets that they use at the end of the summer fireworks celebration. You can't kill anybody with that. See, that's why I was, I was talking about using your intel. We're not going to kill them. We're going to make a whole lot of noise over the lake and uh, just get them to kind of wade in, at which point, you know, you know what happens when they walk into the lake. You're the ones that told me about well, the, it. The fish. Yeah, the there, you, there you go, big guy. Oh, well, that's that's brilliant. I mean, I just, I should have thought of that. Um, but we're just too far out to make noise. Oh, that's where the bottle, oh, oh, I'm getting it now. Okay, okay. But what's that thing? Why is Brigitte still on it? Because she's going to go back to the docks and make a distraction for Ben so that he can get a bonus die in his stealth roll. I mean, so that he can get to the cabin. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, okay, okay. And Brigitte is actually steering father and mother away as all this is happening and receding back towards the docks. Nice to see you, Brigitte. Uh, okay, see you soon. Ben's going to get the bottle rockets, bring them to the canoe that we took. Rose is over there waiting. Lindsay steps up. Wait, wait, where, where's Ben? He's going to the counselor's cabin to, to get the bottle rockets. But by himself? He's the lightest and therefore the stealthiest of us all. I have two left feet and my shoes are perpetually untied. But he's also the most valuable. I wouldn't say that. Most irreplaceable. I heard that. I would like to, with my mind, throw Lindsay into the water. Sploosh. And Lindsay whips out her notebook. Diego, what What exactly was that thing that Brigitte was riding? You guys were riding? It, trust me, you really don't want to think about it. Okay, I mean, it looks like kind of like that whale slick. You're not wrong. And she jots something down. What's the backup plan? The what? So I guess we just wait? Where's Rosa? Oh, she's uh, she's at the canoe. Uh, once Ben grabs the fireworks, they're going to row back here. And Harcourt twirls his arrow in his hands, looking toward the shore. I guess we just wait now. Hey, Harcourt, you have any more ho-hos? I'm kind of hungry. Oh, yeah, I got like three or four. Here you go. Uh, cool, thanks. I'm going to unwrap and start eating the ho-ho while we're waiting. And Lindsay and Diego and Harcourt munch on ho-hos as Ben waits in the shadows, pensive listening intently, an axe haft in his hand, and Rosa waits by the shoreline for the signal. Tries not to fucking trip over anything. At the end of the dock, everyone hears Brigitte yell, You're not my leeches! Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft Tapes. You're not the boss of me. You don't even know who I am anymore. You're not my real leeches. Much different feeling now than I had the last time we recorded. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I had a whole other secondary backup plan if things didn't go my way in that first encounter. It would have involved going, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) 
And then I was just going to turn and run away and leave those two there. Wait a sec. <laughs> Everybody just hold on and then spin and run <laughs> before they knew what was happening. It's time for some hashtag recommendos where we share some of our geeky obsessions. Is it? All right, Lupine, please lead us off. I have been really enjoying a game. Kingdom Two Crowns, it's like a side-scroller. It's a settlement management game, and I find it strangely addictive. You gain coins and gems from what your various workers do, and you designate what they're going to do with the coins. So, for instance, in the beginning of the game, you get archers and you get builders, you spend the coins to tell the builders, you know, build this thing or build this wall or build this security tower or whatever. Your settlement grows and all you do is ride around on a horse. Through playing the game, you get a deer that hops along like a bunny. That's kind of fun. And then you get um, a griffin. There's a few different modes. You can have up to three different save files and my current playthrough, I'm I'm playing through in the Shogun mode. So it's like Japanese, Asian sort of culture. And the only story is that you're a queen who has been, I guess, like exiled from her people or something. And she's building a new settlement. The AI, of course, decides where like certain shops are going to be and what they're going to delegate to the actual workers. So like if you have six workers and you want them all to work on this one thing, the AI is going to say, no, they're going to work on three different things. I am not a huge fan of management games. And the reason is because I tend to micromanage and I hate it. It becomes too stressful for me. And so this is perfect because I don't have to actually do the management really. I just have to say, do this thing, get this done at some point and build the settlement. I've spent far too many hours on it, stayed up way too late working on it. This is how simple the game is when I log into the game, when I open it from Steam, there's no starting screen or anything. It just opens to my save file. I'm just really enjoying it. Kingdom Two Crowns, and there's a few expansions for it. They're coming out with more, and the game company that develops it is also working on other games, and I'm, of course, following them to see what they do. Thank you, Lupine, for sharing that. And Matthew, you're up next. This week, I'm going to reach a bit back to a game that I played for a while. It's been a bit since I touched it, but it's definitely still worth note. It is a game called Rollerdrome. It is a, a third-person action shooter. It takes place in the year 2030, uh, where corporations have basically taken over the world. And in order to survive and unravel a mystery, uh, your character is taken and put into this contest called Rollerdrome. And what it essentially is, is it is you on roller skates with guns. At the same time, you're, you're rolling around, you're pulling off like tricks, like Tony Hawk style. So you're flipping and you're doing grinds and you're doing wall rides. At the same time, you're moving in and out of like slow motion and you're, you know, bringing different weapon types to it and you're trying to eliminate enemies in the arena you're in. And it becomes this really cool balance of keeping up your tricks to refill your slow motion meter and to refill your ammo 
while at the same time quickly and efficiently dispatching all of the enemies in the arena. Uh, leads to some really cool moments, especially once you get into some of the bigger weapons like grenade launchers and rocket launchers where you can like up and off a wall and then as you're like 360 through the air just pop off a couple of grenades and you watch a whole bunch of guys explode. It's a lot of fun once you get the hang of it. There is a bit of a learning curve when it comes to the controls, but once you kind of get a good feeling for how everything operates, it is an absolute blast. Uh, so if you're looking for something that's a little more fast-paced, uh, something that has a little bit of skill to it, go ahead and play Rollerdrome. Excellent. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. I'm going to break away from the video games a little bit here. Guys, in our busy modern world filled with electronic screens all demanding our attention every second of the day, sometimes it's nice to cut the cord and get back to basics. Lately, I've been indulging in that most ancient of pastimes, physical media. I've been reading magazines, comics, and books with actual pages made from dead trees. And while I'm guilty of gorging on genre junk food, I've also tried to incorporate healthier ingredients. And that's where the Paris Review comes in. It's a quarterly anthology of literature poetry, and art that pushes me out of my comfort zone to engage with writers, painters, and poets that I would have otherwise never encountered. Uh, the fiction often tackles non-mainstream subject matter, sometimes employing new storytelling techniques. The standalone artwork is thought-provoking and ethereal. Poems range from delightfully satiric to angry diatribe, with all shades in between. Uh, the periodical was co-founded by George Plimpton, uh, has been in existence since 1953, publishing many established and emerging talents. I found reading this magazine to be a joyous experience that has expanded my taste for literature, and if that sounds like something that you'd like to explore, check out an issue of the Paris Review. Don't do it, it's a trap. All right, and Brian, why don't you finish this off here? I'm going to recommend an anime based on a manga, one of my favorite genres of anime, which is comedy horror. It's called Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead. It's about the, the main character who is fresh out of college and applies at this corporation. He thinks he's going to climb that ladder and, you know, be famous and work for this company and be successful. And he finds out, just like everybody else does, that it's just a grind and they push you, and they push you. And if you leave at normal time, then you're worthless, and you're not committing to the company, and you're horrible. So he pushes himself, just like everybody else. Energy drinks, you never leave. You sleep at the office. It's a horrible experience. He wakes up in the morning after three years of working for this company, feeling horrible, hating his life, and he looks out, and it's a zombie apocalypse. And instead of freaking out and panicking... He realizes he doesn't have to go to work that day. So he's going to take that long deserved vacation and he makes a bucket list and he wants to get all of that done. Stuff that he should have done over the last three years, tearing himself down working for this corporation. And what I enjoy most is the zombies. Instead of blood, it's all sprays of color when stuff happens. So at first I was like, oh. Okay, they're just trying to hide it. But it, it works to their benefit because the colors have different 
feels and meanings to them. Even if you just watch the first episode, it's not a gruesome show like you would think a zombie apocalypse would be. Even with the dismemberment and death and killing, you catch yourself laughing because of the colors that they use. Very vibrant and and fun. So check it out. It's Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. And that's it for this episode of the Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, visit lovecrafttapes.com for up-to-date information about our podcast and subscribe to our live streams at twitch.tv slash lovecrafttapes or youtube.com slash lovecrafttapes. You can chat with me in real time at discord.lovecrafttapes.com. And if you want to uh, tell me what your favorite mass-produced, over-processed snack cake is and why it's the ho-ho, you can hit me up on either Mastodon or Blue Sky at The Real Weird Kid. If you want to try to explain to me why I should trust these things, you could leave me a note at my Linktree, which is Linktree slash Lupin Vendetta, all one word. I would like every single one of the people in Discord to reach out to me by firing up a single bottle rocket into the sky. I'll be watching. Until next time, roll for bottle rockets. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2023. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.